Hello and welcome everyone. I'm William Fry, and this is Down on Maine. Down on Maine is Beacon's publication covering all things small business with a special focus on exit planning, acquisitions, and transfers. For more information, please visit www.viabeacon.com. That's V-I-A-B-E-A-C-O-N.com. Awesome. Thank you to, to everyone joining us today. Um, I'm really looking forward to this episode with Sal Acosta. He has a fascinating life story, which we'll get into in a second. Um, first time I met him, he reminded me kind of of Dos Akis's most interesting man in the world. He spent time in the Caribbean, um, in Civil Air Patrol, had an engineering career and, and business career, and is most recently a managing partner at Landon Associates, which is a business brokerage firm based out of Pittsburgh. Um, their geography reaches into Ohio, West Virginia, and obviously Pennsylvania, and they're industry agnostic. Um, one thing that stood out to me the first time that I spoke with Saul is the level of care and thought that he puts into his listings. Um, if I remember correctly, you actually have a member of your team that does boots on the ground marketing. I remember a story about her going door to door at restaurants and bars um, as part of your operation that you really take time with each of the listings that you take on. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to have people hear a bit about your personal story and what drove you to, to business brokering. I remember being very uh, curious and entertained the first time I heard it. <laughs> well, William, thank you very much uh, for having me on your show. Um, yeah, just real quick, um, my academic background, um, I'm an electrical engineer and I did my MBA I, right after that. And I started with a pretty much uh, traditional sort of corporate career, uh, working for you know blue chip companies in, in electronics and electrical manufacturing like Hewlett Packard, Motorola, uh, Luton Electronics, which is the people that do the lighting controls, and, and ABB, which is a, a big European uh, electrical company. At the same time, though, I was always um, intrigued by entrepreneurship, always had what now is called side gigs. We didn't call them back that back <laughs> then, but I always had some entrepreneurial side gig kind of going on at the same time. And what happened was I, I went up the ranks in my uh, corporate career and was lucky enough to have some uh, pretty high level jobs. Um, and at some points in time, uh, when I was in electronics manufacturing, electrical manufacturing, I uh, started to get involved uh, doing deals under you know, the corporate umbrella, uh, buying subcontractors, selling subcontractors, product lines, and you know those, those types of transactions. Um, and then there came a point in my career where if I wanted to continue those, those corporate tracks, um, I would have had basically to go overseas full time Sure. Uh, whether it would have been China or Vietnam or, or wherever. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I was at a stage in life where I didn't want to do that. Uh, so then it came down to, okay, if, if you're not going to do that, uh, what do you like to do? What do you know how to do? And what can you get paid for doing? And I said, well, I liked uh, facilitating all these uh, buy and sell transactions. Uh, maybe I can do that on a smaller scale uh, for what we call Main Street businesses and lower middle market. And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. 
That's awesome. Um, and was it even, I guess, called business brokerage when, when you started thinking of that? Was that a, a phrase that you were familiar with? Well, it, it was after I, I researched it. Um, obviously, more people are familiar with investment banker and, and M&A and, and things like that. And sure. obviously, that's the, the terms that you use maybe when, when you're working on, on bigger deals. But I quickly discovered that there was such a thing as, as a business broker and, and that they did similar types of activities at, at, at a much lower uh, you know, transaction value. Sure. And I remember last time we spoke, you making a distinction within the business broker industry that there are some who focus on, you know, a volume play where they'll take on a lot of different listings. Others will take a more hands-on approach with fewer listings. And it seems that Landon and Associates follows more into the former, uh, latter camp rather, of taking a hands-on approach with fewer listings. Um, and a key part of that obviously is picking your sellers, picking the listings that you that you want to take on. What does that process look like for you all? Yeah, that's right. And and you know, not everything is 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 perfectly binary, but in general, I think it's fair to say that I, there are some brokers that try to do a lot of volume. Um and then there's some of us that are a little bit more I don't know if the word is boutique or, or specialized, but we deal in, in in smaller numbers and try to fine tune our, our transactions a little bit. So to your point, um, because we're dealing more hands-on and, and providing more of a specialized concierge service, then we have to make sure that these are businesses that can be uh, really sold and that we think there's a high probability of, of achieving a transaction. So basically, the way that I do it is I just think about if I'm in the buyer's shoes, is this something that's going to be attractive to me? Um, you know, in terms of the value proposition, the the business, the market, uh, you know, the the obviously the the price. And so I analyze it from the buyer's perspective and and try to make sure that it's it's something that I would be interested in. And then, of course, you know, what is the market for this business out there? And you know, who can we presented to and, and how can we uh, start to try to get some interest in this? Interesting. So what would be an example of a business that you may say, hey, look, I don't think you're a great fit for for us uh, as a business broker um, versus one that may be, hey, look, from a buyer's perspective, I can definitely see this um, getting traction. Well, so a, a couple of examples. But one is, for example, a business that's um, losing money and in need of a turnaround. Um, I'm not going to tell you that transaction can't be done. And, and there's brokers that specialize in that transaction where you need some type of turnaround. You need some, uh, you know, maybe even some some temporary financial help, whatever the case may be. Um, that's not something that that we specialize in. So that's one that, that we would pass on. Um, and the other one is. Uh, of course, something that, you know, it's it's a great business, it's it's making money, there's nothing wrong with it, other than the expectations of, of the seller are, in, in terms of price, are, are just too high. And you say, sure. hey, you know, realistically, we're not going to be able to get a transaction done. Um, there's not enough flexibility here um, from the seller's perspective to be able to find uh, the appropriate buyer that, that's going to meet his criteria. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And kind of in the absence of an MLS, if you will, for businesses, sometimes sellers may get tied to an irrational price for their given business. 
that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that is one of the, the biggest obstacles to, to trying to get a transaction done again, especially in, in some of these uh, smaller businesses. And um, there's a couple of things that, that impact on that, right? One is um, a lot of times these sellers started their business from scratch 10, 20, 30 years ago. So they've put blood, sweat, and tears into this business. Uh, they're very emotionally involved. I always say this is like their child. Every single penny they, they plowed back into the business to make it better and better and better. You know, now a lot of them are, again, you know, struggling to survive coronavirus. So it's, it's, it's been a very difficult uh, period for them. Uh, but, you know, having said all that, um, the business is worth what the business is, is worth. Um, you know, the, the, the buyers can maybe relate to that, empathize with that, but, but there's still a valuation to the business. Uh, the other thing that makes it a, a little bit hard is every business is, is very unique. Um, when you look at another asset, like maybe a house, a commercial property, a painting, a car, um, there's not as many variables that, that impact the, the value of what this could be worth, right? The, the business has employees, the business has customers, the business may have intellectual property, uh, the business generates cash. It may have different outlooks for that cash that it's generating in the future compared to the past. Sure. Um, and these are all the things that, that make it, uh, in my opinion, much harder to value a business compared to, to other asset classes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I remember, you know, one thing that I often hear is, is things like customer concentration, which an owner may not think about on a day-to-day -day basis, but if almost all of your revenue is, is concentrated in a few customers, that's a more risky business for a buyer to, to purchase. You're absolutely right. You're, you're hitting the nail on the head. And that is something that unfortunately I, I see a lot of the time. And it's because they started their business, they landed one big customer, or, or, or sometimes that relationship was even kind of established before he even started the business. He started the business to, to service this one large customer that he knew needed this service. But long story short, time has gone by. He hasn't been able to, or hasn't wanted to find um, additional customers. And, and you're right. I mean, sometimes one customer could be anywhere between 50 to 80, 90% of the revenue. And that is a huge risk for uh, the buyer to take on because basically, you know, you, you, you pay a, a price for this business, you do a certain valuation, you lose that one customer you lose 80, 90, 50% of your revenue, that could be enough to, to, to throw you in, in, in the red and, and, and basically you've, you, you've lost your, your investment. So uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's critical. Sure, sure. So now we've, we have a better sense of how you think about um, working with different sellers and kind of the mental checklist, some of the things that you go through um, when potentially taking on a new client. One thing I'm curious about is, you know, you've spent, quite a few years now in the business broker industry, where do you think as a whole the industry is headed in the next five or 10 years? I mean, we keep on hearing about this baby boomer generation starting to retire. It seems that the consensus is that coronavirus may have delayed that. People don't want to sell at 
uh, you know, prices that were lower than what they were in, in 2019, for instance. Um, what, what are your thought processes on the, on the future of the industry? Well, uh, first of all, it's, it's interesting because as, as we were talking a little bit about at the beginning, a lot of people don't even know there's a thing called the business broker. Most people know that there's a thing called the realtor. And sure. if they want to sell their house or they want to sell their commercial property, they know to call a realtor. But it's surprising how many business owners don't even know that, hey, if I want to sell my business, there's a thing called a business broker that that I can call and he can help me do that process. Um, so I think there's a lack of, of education and communication and, and awareness in, in the market. And, and your point, it's it's going to get worse in the sense that um, there's a lot of baby boomers that, that want to retire, even under normal circumstances before coronavirus. Now they may have delayed for, for a year or two, but they're going to come back on the market. And, um, you know, the, the alternatives are they either try to do it on their own, um, which, you know, again, same pros and cons as you trying to sell your house on your own or selling your car sure. on your own, whatever. Um, or, which is, it's a shame, you know, sometimes they, they think their business is not sellable or not worth anything or whatever, and they just close it um, and, and they lose an opportunity to, to, to make money. So I think it's, it behooves all of us, and maybe this is, is part of it, is to get the word out that there's this thing called the business broker that can help you sell your business. I totally agree. I was on the phone this morning with a, an electrician and, and, Tennessee. Um, he's 75 now, has about five or six employees. He does a mix of residential and commercial maintenance work um, on the electrical side. And I was asking him about what he planned to do with his business. And his answer was just close up shop. And I, I kind of tried to, to push him as to has, had he thought about selling the business? Had he spoken to anyone about this? Um, and he said that, you know, to be honest, he spoke with one employee, that employee wasn't interested. And so he kind of gave up on the idea of selling his business. He didn't know that business brokerage was even an industry out there. And it seems that his CPA didn't either because he had consulted him uh, kind of during these conversations. How do you think the brokerage industry should go about educating these business owners and CPAs? I mean, I, I imagine some part of this falls on the SBA or the government because, you know, when a business owner says, OK, I wash my hands, I retire. It's not just that business owner. There's some amount of deadweight loss in, in society because jobs are being lost. People are forced to go elsewhere in terms of clients um, and employees. I'm curious to see how you think about that. Yeah, well, certainly the SBA and the SBDC, the Small Business Development Centers, could, could play a role in, in helping us get the word out. Uh, to be honest with you, I would like to see, to your point, it's so funny that you say that, CPAs and, and lawyers uh, themselves and, and bankers becoming um, more aware and, and helping us get the word out that, you know, this profession called business brokers exist and even being proactive. You know, if, if you're a CPA that you've had this client for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, or same thing, you're a lawyer that, that's had this client for 10, 20, 30 years, start asking, hey, what is your exit strategy? Till when are you planning to sell this, you know, run this business? When are you planning to sell it? When are you planning to retire? And then as part of that conversation, say, hey, be aware 
that there is a resource uh, called a, a business broker that can help you. Uh, my other hope for the industry is before coronavirus, uh, most brokers were focused on their immediate geography. Uh, there were some that were working nationally, uh, but most, I think, were, were, it's fair to say we're still working within their, their immediate geography. Now that everybody's getting used to doing business over Zoom, I think that's going to open up the game a lot more, whereas sure. you're a, a business owner, now you can talk to different brokers throughout the country, find one that you feel comfortable with, maybe has some experience in your industry from prior, you know, work roles, whatever, and, and that you like on an interpersonal basis. Uh, my other hope is a lot of times business brokers were, were concentrated in the major cities. Um, and what I'll call sort of secondary cities, not to even go to, to, to the rural areas, right. um, they did not have the, the services of a business broker. Now that we're all conducting business over Zoom, I'm hoping that if you're a, a, a nice business in a, in a secondary city, that you have access to a business broker to help you with this process. Right. Yeah. In fact, one of, um, one of my friends, who I grew up with, her father just became one in, in Eastern North Carolina for Transworld. And it was like one of the first business brokers who'd ever been in that part of the state, despite it, you know, having a reasonable population, albeit a bit spread out. It seems like there's still a lot of people who just don't know. Um, and that kind of brings me to another one of my questions. Part of the role of broker, of a business broker is kind of educator, if you will. They're helping educate the seller and the buyer oftentimes this is the first transaction for, for both of those. Um, and I know you've written a book, which people can find on Amazon, The Secrets to Buying or Selling a Business. Um, I, I read that last fall and really enjoyed it. And, and, and that has kind of been one of your contributions to try to help educate people. I guess, what are the common misconceptions you find yourself trying to unwind when you have a seller who comes to you or a buyer who comes to you? Well, a, a lot of times these misconceptions are either in in the area of how quick and how easy it is going to be to sell my business and or going back to the same thing valuation sure. um and a lot of times uh the seller will come in thinking okay i need x dollars to retire yeah sometimes to be quite honest which they haven't even sat you know sat down with a financial planner to use that professional to say, hey, listen, I'm planning to retire now or a year from now, whatever the case may be. This is the type of lifestyle that I'd like to have. This is where I want to live. Maybe they're relocating, whatever. These are the assets that I have outside my business. You know, let's talk about my retirement planning. They, they haven't done that, but they come in and they say, hey, listen, um, this is what I think I need to retire. And therefore, that is what I want to sell my business for. <laughs> um, and, and again, you know, there's, there's, there's the business is worth what the business is worth. And just because you need a, a certain number, which is higher, lower, or different for retirement, doesn't mean you're going to get it. I mean, ideally those things, those two things come together. Ideally sure. you can sell your business, um, for what you need to retire or even more. But those are all exercises that, that you need to do. And, and if anything, I'd like to educate people on, on that. And, and also uh, to educate them that, listen, this is a process that's going to take you six to 12 months. 
Um, so, you know, don't come in thinking that, hey, you know, I'm going to list with you and I'm going to have check in hand in 30 days, 60 days. Sure. I mean, everything is always possible. I, I never say anything's impossible, but the statistics are you should plan for six to 12 months. <laughs> right. And I imagine another part of it is that they may think they're going to get, you know, a whole lump sum in one check when the deal closes. And oftentimes there's some component of seller financing in the, the deal that ultimately go, comes to fruition. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're exactly right. And not only that, certainly right now, where it's becoming a lot harder to forecast future business performance because of coronavirus. Coronavirus has, has created a lot more uncertainty, has created a lot more risk. And so as, as a consequence of that, Buyers are asking more and more for earnouts, or you know, or, or something like that. Um, so you're absolutely right. I mean, you may say, "Hey, listen, you know, uh, you're going to get this much money up front," but the other one is is an earnout. That's going to depend on the business sitting, you know, hitting certain uh, you know financial performance or or certain milestones in the future. So so as a seller, you have to be uh, cognizant and, and recognize that. If, if, if that used to happen in, in the past, it's going to happen even more now because of coronavirus. Sure, sure. And, and when a seller um, starts to think about getting their business ready to go to market, um, they hear the six to 12 months and they may think to themselves, what can I do to help speed that process up? What would your, your advice be? Well, there, there's a lot of things you can do to speed the process up. Um, one is what I call, and a lot of people call, do a reverse due diligence, which is basically put yourself in the shoes of the buyer and say, okay, what documents, what information are they going to be looking to get? Okay, so then that means, hey, make sure your financial statements are available and in order. Make sure all your accounting is clean. Make sure your tax returns are available in order. Um, you know, if, if you need some, uh, you know, employment contracts, get those, you know, get those done with, with your employees, you know, basically is go simulate and go through the process as if, if you were the buyer and all the things that you're going to be asking for and make sure all that information, all those documents are available. Again, a, a business broker can help you with that. They can say, Hey, listen, typically for your type of business, for your size of business, these are the things that a buyer is going to be looking to to get from an information perspective so let's make sure we have all that correct and available to give to him as as as, as quickly as possible when at the right stage in the process uh the other one is you may want to start talking to a bank and a lot of times you can get your your business sort of pre-qualified for an sba loan uh which is very powerful you can go to the potential buyer and say hey listen the the bank has looked at this uh, in terms of an SBA guaranteed loan, uh, they like what they see. Uh, so if they like you also, then, you know, we're 80% of the way there. And that's another way to shave a little bit of, of time out of the process. And beyond that, just the obvious, uh, start the marketing process as, as, as soon as possible because nothing happens until you start the marketing process. Right. Um, and, and I think educating sellers about that more and more can help because not only does it help reduce the total transaction time, 
at least from speaking with you earlier, one thing that may happen is buyers reach out, the information isn't ready, buyers lose interest and go with another business. Um, so it could also help you close those leads that could be interested. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm always a, a big believer in the saying of time kills deals. Um, the, the longer a deal takes, the higher the probability that it won't be finalized uh, for many reasons. Um, you know, one is simply the, the, the buyer may be looking at other deals, you know, other things may come on the market. His personal situation may change for, for whatever unforeseen reason. So, you know, we just have to think that, that, that time is risk. And, and the longer it takes to do a deal, then the more risk uh, you're putting on there that, that something will happen before you can close. Right. Well, this has been really, really helpful, Saul. So thank you so much for, for joining us for this episode. I wanted to give you a few minutes to give uh, any, any call outs or shout outs for Landon and Associates. I know that you all have a great operation in Pittsburgh, but you definitely serve more than just that area. Yeah, well, the only thing I will say, and it goes back to everything we've been talking about and in terms of education, in terms of everything, is I would encourage anyone that is uh, viewing or, or listening, even if you're planning to sell your business in five years, call me now. I don't mind having a conversation now, even if you come in and you say, hey, Sal, um, you know, whatever, I'm 60, I've met with my financial planner, I'm not going to retire till 65 for whatever reason. Okay, fine, let's start having that conversation now. Because also, by the way, if there's things we need to improve to make that business as valuable as possible, and as easy as possible to sell when the time comes, if we have one, two, three, four, five years to execute that, we have a much better chance of success then if you come to me and say, hey, Sal, I'm up to here. I want to sell my business right now for whatever I can get. Um, and let's just start the process. And it's fine. We'll start the process. We'll, we'll sell what you have in place. And, and the market will tell you what it's worth. But if we start five years early, we can do a lot of improvements that, again, are going to increase the value of that business when you want to sell it and are going to make it easier and quicker to sell it. Um, so right. just, uh, the, the one piece of advice is call me. I don't mind how early you call me. Just we'll start the conversation. Exactly. And if anything, the last year has shown us that the ball isn't always in our in our control. So it's better to start early. You never know when a, a pandemic is going to hit the, the world. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's what a lot of people call a, a, a black swan event. I mean, if if two years ago, you know, you had told me, hey, Sal, there's going to become a period of time where people are not going to be allowed to go to restaurants. People are not going to be allowed to get on planes. They're not going to be allowed to travel. They're not going to, the people, everybody's going to be working in their houses. I would have said, listen, you're watching too many sci-fi movies, okay? <laughs> but yet here we are. Um, now, what I can't tell you is what is the next Black Swan event going to be? Right. I wish I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Um, awesome. Well, thanks again for your time, Sal. Um, and if you enjoyed this, make sure to, to like and, and subscribe. And I know that Sal also has a, a YouTube channel that this will be going out on um, where he has his own content to help educate um, business owners and uh, prospective business buyers. Um, so make sure to check that out as well. Thank you, William. Pleasure being here with you today. Yep. Talk to you soon.